Now, the Wealth Protection Diva is a successful entrepreneur, business owner, and premier business strategist, president and CEO of Sage International Incorporated, and a national speaker, best-selling author, and motivational teacher of financial education, business development, and wealth protection strategies, the joys and frustrations of being a business owner. Her insights are motivating. Her frankness inspiring. Here is Sherry Hill. Change. It often happens quickly before employees and management can mentally prepare. As work changes, so does the nature of the relationships between employees and employers. In the new work context, the informal psychological contract between workers and employers, what each expects of the other, focuses on competency development, continuous training, and work-life balance. In contrast, the old psychological contract was all about job security and steady advancement within the firm, which is completely different today. Very few workers expect or desire lifelong employment in a single firm. Although many factors ultimately contribute to the changing patterns of how business is conducted, I have to boil it down to this very blunt fact. If a business doesn't change with the times, it won't succeed. I have two wonderful guests with me today. Artie Kopis, CEO of Kopis Consulting, LLC. She received a master's certificate in executive coaching from Royal Roads University, Canada, and has been coaching mid- and high-level leaders and their teams since 2003. Catherine Kitt Prendergast is the founder and owner of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada, a well-established executive leadership coaching and training company. Kit is a PCC credentialed coach with the International Coach Federation. So welcome, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. It's great. We feel like we've been blown in today, I think, by the wind <laughs> that's out there. Yes, of course. Exactly. You can feel the change in the air. So, Kit, I'm going to start with you. Let's, let's talk about the changing nature of organizations, work, and the workplace. Thank you so much, Sherry, and for leading with the changes that we're seeing um, in today's work world and the resulting ripple effect on employees. First of all, our workplace is very, very different. And as you alluded to, that folks now will take a position and they're most concerned with career security rather than just job security. And what I mean by that is that it is really in their best interest and very wise to maximize their skills, their knowledge, their competencies overall, just not in one job, but for their career in the long term. So yes, we are seeing people take positions and if the company provides a good, strong career path for them and opportunities for learning and growth, they will stay for a while. But if a company is not ahead in that way, progressive in that way, then our younger generation of employees will certainly look for another place to go. Now, we also know that our millennials, um, this generation that's in their 20s into the mid-30s, very large number, very highly uh, skilled, very competitive, Mm -hmm. and for a good reason. So companies that bring in a coaching 
culture, a coaching mindset, which is simply another um, complement to a management style. Those are the companies that are able to attract, retain this generation of the millennials. But also, it works so beautifully for the employees of any generation in any age. Coaching is future-focused and results-driven. It's very interesting. It looks quite simple on paper. But as Artie and I know as professional coaches, that it actually is takes quite a bit of skill to do. I was a psychotherapist for many years with Kaiser Permanente in San Diego and again on the East Coast before moving overseas for about seven years. And um, in that time, you you went with a company, you stayed with your company. Uh, now being able to have these opportunities for growth and be able to work in a coaching uh, environment really brings out the very best and the strengths of the employees. Good point, because you guys are professional coaches. Business is changing. Technology is certainly a huge factor in that. Mobility, all the different ways, but the huge workforce coming in is the younger population. And I was just reading a whole study on the NFL pro team, the Rams, because their average age of every one of their players is 24.1. So so in the world of professional sports, they have to look at, we can't coach these kids the same way that we coached the previous generations because their attention spans is about 15 minutes. Right. And so you see this in business. I imagine people bring you in because the old way isn't working anymore, but they don't even know what's not working anymore. Yeah. Well, the beauty about coaching, professional coaching, Sherry, is that it really honors people's strengths of whatever age. So a coaching mindset, when a manager or leader has a coaching perspective, It actually makes their job much easier because they're able to step back and honor that if I ask the right questions and create the space for an individual to really step into their own strengths, it's amazing to watch people really flourish. And as Artie and I have talked, the Gallup polls that have shown the level of disengagement by people of all different professions and feeling that they didn't have the chance to use their strengths or to be at their best. What is core for coaching is that coaches believe that people are naturally resourceful and whole. That's a real cornerstone of professional coaching, very different than the days, for instance, when I was a psychotherapist or as a mentor, teacher, trainer. So coaching starts from that premise that people are naturally resourceful and whole and that they know themselves the best. Mm -hmm. They really, and, and it's interesting, we can do this with our teenagers as well, is allow people the opportunity to explore, to learn about themselves, and to step forth into using those strengths. It takes a certain capacity on the part of the leader to do that, to be able to step aside, to be curious. One word we use a great deal is curiosity. 
And it's so wonderful, Sherry, just to be able to step to the side and to simply be curious and watch the other person really flourish. Yes, this is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with my guest today, Artie Kopis, and also Kit Prendergast. And we're both of them are professional coaches, but you really focus more on the executive level from what I can tell from both of your bios. So certainly, you know, people are familiar with consultants that come in and go, you have issues here in productivity or your production line or whatever. But coaching is really, as you're talking about, it's recognizing more of my strengths and enhancing those, not so much focus, focusing on the weaknesses and trying to make me change that or something, correct? I mean, yes, yeah. correct. And, and a great deal of our work is also done with the leaders of organizations in helping them not only recognize that for themselves, but to bring that out in their teams. And the companies that we are seeing that are really competitive and progressive, they they absolutely get this, particularly since the workforce is lower in just pure numbers. So they're trying to do a lot more with a lot less. So using a coaching style, creating a coaching culture is a wonderful path to that, um, that outcome. Right. It doesn't solve everything at all. Uh, it's just one complementary style. But people are really enjoying and um, using it a great deal now. Well, it's not a big issue anymore. I mean, everyone that's hugely successful from professional athletes to people who sing, they all have coaches because I cannot see what I can't see. Mm-hmm. So coaching, again, is completely different from consulting because you're really looking at me, the individual, to shine the light on what is right and then to really go, how do we get you to another level? Yeah, yeah. Right? I, absolutely. absolutely. And I love that you use the word shine the light, that you have your own answers. A consultant is hired for their answers, for their expertise, for their knowledge, to share that the coach is in partnership with you. It's in partnership for you to explore and identify for yourself when you are at your best and how are you going to get there. It's very exciting work. Yeah, so in the workplace, because again, the dynamics of the actual workplace and the way that work is conducted is certainly feeling a lot of pressure from the outside as well as the inside that we don't want hierarchies anymore. We don't want to punch a time clock from eight to five. You got to recognize me for my talent and what I'm doing. So do you see that there's there's some um, um, discord going on or people are just right on with going, okay, we got to make changes and I got to understand how I can now manage and function in this new work environment? I think the change is always um, a challenge, but the um, time here in northern Nevada, 2008-2009, was very difficult. Uh, Nevada lost a lot of our professionals to other states. A lot of our companies really struggled. Lots of layoffs, city of Reno, Washoe County. And in some ways, that created the space for companies to rethink, how do we now, with a much reduced workforce, uh, really bring out the best? So actually, I think people are more on board with that, willing uh, 
to embrace that, as we see with Microsoft doing their tremendous renovations over in their buildings here in northern Nevada, going to a very collaborative workspace. Very interesting what's happening and the growth we're seeing in northern Nevada. What's, what's interesting, I saw in the paper, they showed a picture of one of these brand new companies coming to town, and they're going to hire 1,200 people. And the whole photo was just, as far as you could see, cubicles. And I really question whether they get what's going on today, because to me, that was a total turnoff to be to think of myself going backwards to isolate in these little cubicles when the bulk of the workforce wants to be collaborative and hanging out and, and really engaged with everybody. So we're going to pick up on that when we come back. This is Karen Vibe, Portfolio Management Director at Morgan Stanley. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is the most friendly, wonderful, passionate woman that I know that will help you set up your business and help you in so many ways. Thank you, Sherry. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. Executive coaching is hot. What was stigma? You're so broken you need a coach. Has become status symbol. You're so valuable, you get a coach? If elite athletes and organizations think they need coaches, shouldn't you have one too? Shouldn't we all? Well, yes or no. Executive coaching, personal training, and leadership from someone who provides it for a living should be used like a powerful prescription drug that works best under certain conditions. When employed as a cure-all, it is less effective, too expensive, and has negative side effects. Executive coaching is not aspirin. So when should it be prescribed for an executive and when should it be avoided? Well, let's ask my two outstanding executive coaches guests today. Artie Kopis, CEO of Kopis Consulting LLC and Kit Prendergast, founder of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada. So welcome ladies. Artie, when does it make sense to hire a professional executive or leadership coach? Yeah, well, it's the same as taking aspirins, right? <laughs> when do you? How old do you have to be? Uh, how long do you take it? So coaching, I think, is similar. What we are finding is that uh, I've been in the business for about 13 years. And in the beginning, it was really high-level leadership uh, that asked for a coach or was looking for a coach. And at the moment, I'm finding that it's really happening at, at all levels, really. I mean, we're coaching high-level leaders. We're coaching mid-level. We're coaching emerging leaders, uh, young professionals who are paying out of it uh, out of their own pocket because they see the value in it. So I think it's really happening at many different levels. And um, coaching too, of course, has come into its own. You know, the profession itself has matured. We have a lot of research going on around the impact of coaching. The, the, so, so when are the moments when 
in, when coaching really, really hits somebody? You know, how can we sort of recreate it? What are the, the impetus questions? Um, what happens for the coach when you're coaching? So there's, I, I think it's both the, the profession as well as the fields. And um, I do a lot of work in healthcare, and I'll tell you, even healthcare is on board, um, although they are sometimes a little behind in leadership development because it's not part of a traditional uh, healthcare training. But I think uh, more and more it's becoming clear that coaching really is linked with and focused on problem solving. It helps you to think critically. It helps you to really self-reflect. And um, important piece of that, and Kit already mentioned that, is that curiosity. And, and it's, you know, you can only be curious when you're stepping into the conversation from a very neutral perspective. And you can only be neutral when you know your own biases. Right. And of course, that's a lot of the work that's going on on the coaching end is figuring out what triggers me as a person and how do I proceed into the question, into the answer, and what do I do with the emotions that are going on. Right. You can't solve the same problem with the same mind that created it. Nope. So, and oftentimes within an organization, I mean, it's all kind of the one mind, right? So you're all in it, you're all emotionally attached. And so an outside professional coach that really, like you said, comes in neutral, you know, you're, you're looking for results. And I'm guessing that you base a lot of, of the work that you're going to do on, these are some pretty, you know, um, standard or drastic results that we're going to be able to achieve because guess what? I've helped somebody else through this same thing. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And very often at the beginning of the coaching conversations, the co coaching engagement, we actually identify the objectives. Uh, and it is a very forward-looking conversation. What is really interesting, and I think what, what we're noticing across the board, both for the coach, but also for the person who is in the coaching conversation, is that 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 skills are being developed even as as you're being coached around how do you listen deeply how do you self reflect uh what are different kind of questions and how do they impact other people so even in the coaching conversation we are modeling these what we call coaching skills and it is very i find it always fascinating when i have clients that i've worked with for a little while you know, after the sixth or the seventh uh, conversation, they, they say, oh, wait a minute. Yeah, Artie is already sitting on my, you know, shoulder. I know what she's going to ask because they get the power of the kind of questions that you ask. And so uh, there's also a large piece around uh, being or showing up truthful, you know, telling it as it is. And again, that is a lot of the work that the coaches do when we observe what's going on in the moment in a coaching conversation. Is somebody getting really nervous when something is being discussed? Hey, you know, there's that curiosity. We go, well, that's interesting. Tell me what's going on for you that you seem a little bit more nervous now than you were before. Or they step into a conversation with a huge sense of self-assurance around something. So that's interesting to explore. Well, and the, and the other thing, too, it's, it's obviously highly confidential. I mean, these you're not sharing these conversations with the rest of the executive team and staff. And so as a leader of an organization, you know, we've said it many times on this show, you often feel like you're on your own little island. Who do you really talk to? Your, your spouse or significant other isn't going to have the same... Um, 
ability to really drill down and go, why are you nervous right now after you just said this one sentence? Good right. point. And I think the other point, um, you know, I noticed that when I talk with my husband, he always has to say, so are you coaching or are you my wife? Because as a wife, I have a stake in the conversation, right? If he's talking about what's going on, what he's doing. As a coach, we have no stake in the conversation. So there's that neutral territory. And so then I think that's why it's often used for high-level leaders or people who are running very successful businesses to kind of just be with someone that they know they can, you know, bring up their darkest thoughts, their greatest concerns, and it doesn't affect the person who's sitting across from from them. Right, exactly. And they're not all of a sudden in panic mode because the leader's like ready to jump ship or something, right? (laughs) um, But, you know, you're brought into organizations, and I know you spent a lot of time in the healthcare industry. And so, you know, what is it that You know, they bring you in because obviously once you work with the executive team, I mean, now as you just shared, it's really coaching is drilling all the way down to the frontline employee. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And it's seen as a support tool rather than, uh, you know, things aren't good. uh, You need somebody to fix you tool. And again, that's also the maturity that has happened in our profession, both with the level of coaches, which credential coaches for the International Coaching Federation or other credentials, you know, are people who are really well trained. Well, and, and a good point to that. Michael Phelps, the swimmer, what he went 14 Olympic golds. He still has a coach. Yeah. So I mean, if he has one, we can have one. That's our philosophy. <laughs> so right? again, it's, it's not just because we have a whole bunch of problems to solve. It's we're awesome, but how do we get even more awesome? That's exactly it. And that's that strength-based model that we talked about in the first segment. You know, we firmly believe that there are great things. And so if you can be deliberate about where your strengths are, then it's easier to actually you know, make them even bigger and better and more outstanding. Mm -hmm. And so when you're thinking about just in general about particular habits, and I think from we're now moving more into coaching skills uh, rather than a coaching conversation with a coach. So one of the biggest things uh, that I I run into uh, in coaching mid-level and high-level leaders is that they understand that when you – step into a coaching conversation, when anyone steps into a coaching conversation, you know, it's not anymore about a problem being dumped on the desk of the leader or or the mm-hmm. mid-level manager, right. which is often the case. You know, people are stuck somewhere. They go to the person that they think is responsible and uh, should be able to figure it out. And this person, the leader, you know, has often lived in the story that, yes, they have to be able to figure it out because, you know, that's That's why why they they are with the big bucks. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So they almost welcome the dumping of the problems because they can now kind of show what they what's possible. But in coaching conversations, you know, we say it's not about you owning the problem as a leader that somebody else brings to you. It's about how can you ask the questions that the person who's wrestling with the problem actually finds a way through about um, really empowering people to be at their best 
rather than you being the all-knowing person who should fix it. So how do you do that? Because managers have this, you know, they think about the fact that I'm the manager, I'm the problem solver, all problems must come to me. But what you're saying is, you know, part of the work that the both of you are doing is really developing a coaching uh, culture within the organization. So how do you move managers to really now become more... um, coaches versus I got to solve the problem. Yeah, yeah. And and I think that's the power of uh, creating coach-like behavior because obviously no matter how many coaches there are in the world, we cannot work with every person in the world. But if every person in the world had coaching skills, you know, we approached conversations differently. And not only conversations at work, but conversations with our friends, with our family, with our kids, our spouses. It's a different way of communicating. And so I think in, so back to what you were talking about, the problem dumping, so to say, you know, instead of saying, okay, let me think about it and I'll get back to you with uh, some thoughts or solutions. First, ask the questions so that you really understand what the problem is. And that often is a key piece of it. Because if you jump on a problem, it might actually not be a problem. It might be a symptom of something else. So it's asking the question of the person who brings the problem, help me understand what's really the challenge here. You know, what is it that you're stuck with? And sort of have that exploratory conversation. And then have it with them figuring out what is holding them back from actually being able to solve the problem? What's going on for them? So again, you're engaging in this back and forth of asking open-ended questions but then listening to the answer and not listening with the mindset that you already know what the answer is going to be, or you actually know a better answer, right. which is possibly true, but not relevant. But, but you're not the through the process yet. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, that focus, I think, is huge. It, to be focused in the conversation. And again, that respectful listening is what we could do in any conversation that we have. Uh, if we really work on being fully engaged with the person that we have the conversation with, not multitasking, even though we all know we're great, we can do the phone, the computer, and a conversation at the same time. And I mean, I have definitely done more than one thing with my kids. Mm-hmm. You know, you're doing something and then you're, yeah, yeah, I'm listening, I'm listening. Well, of course, you're not really listening. And right. they know it and you know it. Right. So that piece of bringing that respectful listening in, the really making the person feel valued who is sitting across from you is a huge piece of coach-like conversations. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So are these the five habits that you really kind of zero in on to really go, here's part of the change we have to bring into the organization to start to build that coach-like um, culture? Right. Yeah. 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 And I think we already alluded to Mm -hmm. some of them. It's, uh, you know, stop solving other people's problems. Um, Don't tell answers. Start asking questions. Uh, The multitasking. Stop it. Be really focused. And then the key piece, which is the hardest for all of us, especially when we work in the field and we understand the field, let go of the control. Right. Absolutely. Well, you know, I for many years, I when any of my employees would ever come to me with, here's the problem, I always told them, bring some solutions when you come into the conversation, right? 
because I've, I've always believed that they know the answer probably more than me because I only know this one little piece. I wasn't on the phone with the client or whatever. So anyway, we've got to go to break. We come back. I'm going to pick up with Artie Kopis and Kit Prendergast. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. This is Mike Brooks, founder of Gen X Bridge. Winning the talent war for good. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she is a leader in the Reno business community. Sherry Hill is smart and fun. Thank you, Sherry. Welcome back to The Sherry Hill Show, doing everything possible to spark and fuel your entrepreneurial dreams. Now, here's your host, Sherry Hill. I'd like to welcome a new sponsor to The Sherry Hill Show, Junk King of Reno. The great people at Junk King are amazing because the company is amazing. They send a professional truck and driver to your home so you don't have to do the heavy work. Garage cleanouts, furniture disposal, electronic recycling, yard waste, and real estate cleanouts. I love that Junk King sorts through everything they pick up to recycle or donate to local nonprofit organizations. Call the pros. Call Junk King. 888 888- 888-J-U-N-K. Tell them Sherry Hill sent you. Organizations' interest around coaching is a movement which is rapidly growing and more companies are now focused on developing such a strong culture after having realized the advantages of that strategy. According to the International Coaches Federation, their 2014 research shows 43% of organizations report employing internal coaches to work with all employees, and 60% say coaching is available to their high-potential employees. Moreover, an extensive coaching program is often associated with positive business outcomes, including higher employee satisfaction and performance. This trend in developing a coaching culture within an organization was introduced to me by my guest today, Artie Kopis, CEO of Kopis Consulting LLC, and also Kit Prendergast, founder and owner of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada, which is a well-established executive leadership coaching and training company. So ladies, we've been talking all about coaching culture and all that, but very quickly, if someone's listening and they're like, wow, these are the two I need to bring into my organization, give us your contact information. We would love to have you uh, contact us. Both Artie and myself are here in Northern Nevada, but we also serve um, clients statewide, nationally, and internationally. The phone number to call is area code 775-324-5151. Also, my email is kit at 
Career Connections SN, which stands for SierraNevada.com. You're very welcome to contact uh, us through those phone numbers there. We can share with you the different programs that we offer to companies, as well as a quick uh, workshop called Just Ask a Question, which is a very quick uh, 45-minute presentation to introduce people to the power of coaching. Nice. Yes, so RT... Um, same phone number um, that Kit just said, 775-324-5151. And my email is A-R-T-Y at coppes, C-O-P-P-E-S, consulting.com. And I can even coach you in Dutch if you like. Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, Artie, we were, we were talking about in our last segment coaching culture which is a new terminology for a lot of people so let's let's define what it means in an organization right let's dig into that because uh what kit and i are are thinking is going on is, uh, is that there is a lot more in interest and stress around creating coaching culture in organizations and i think our vision for a coaching culture is that we believe that a coaching culture creating a coaching culture in your business or organization will really almost fearlessly engage all the members in a very candid and respectful communications uh, i would say unrestricted by reporting relationships about how they can improve working relationships and and create a personal uh, growth as well as uh, collective performance improvement. And a, a big piece of that coaching culture also is around providing feedback. So in a coaching conversation, there's a lot of place for feedback. Uh, feedback around what's going on, around how you're coming across, uh, Uh, some of the conversations that are taking place. And so the coaching culture also addresses really understanding how to give and receive uh, respectful feedback that's focused ultimately always on professional development and improvement in the business. And so when you're thinking about establishing a coaching culture, you know, I I would say that there have to be a couple of things really in place. You have to work already in an organization or business where there is respect for for people who work there. You know, and respect for each other is one of the keystones of a coaching culture. Uh, And management must really believe in the ability of the people who work there and want to, you know, support them and, and develop them professionally. Um, we find that it works best when it's sponsored by senior management, uh, both in word and in budget, um, that there's obviously some time asi- set aside to do some training around coaching skills because it just doesn't blow in the way we were kind of blown in today in the studio because of the strong wind. No, it's something that you have to develop. And even though... You know, it addresses listening and asking questions and, you know, you're like, well, doesn't everybody know how to do that? Well, of course, there is a point that we know how to do it. However, we can fine tune it and we can understand it a lot better when we deliberately kind of dissect it and look at the different possibilities. Well, but don't you also have to, I mean, as part of, you know, if you're going to go in and really help an organization implement a coaching culture, you guys are professionally certified. You've gone through a lot of training. You know, most of these people haven't. They yeah. they know how to get the widget from one end of the line to the other. Right. Now, all of a sudden, you're asking me to be a coach. To be coach-like, yes. Coach-like. 
Yeah. And so how much work do you have to do to look at the management team to really go, yes, yes, oh, no, no way, yes, yes, good coach right there. <laughs> so, I mean, it's not for everybody. No, that's true. And uh, <laughs> some people are naturally a little better at it than other people, for sure. But um, overall, I think, so the program we have around coach, building coaching cultures, if you go full out, it's a two-day program. Uh, really talking about the coaching skills and there are 15 different skills that we talk about. You know, it's about the who, how, how, how do you deliver, who are you, and what are the processes. Uh, so 15 skills in total. And then we actually build it out uh, on webinars every couple of weeks, about six of them, where everybody gets to coach each other on the webinar and feedback from the other group the other members of the group is provided on the coaching. So there is a theoretical component and a practical component. And I will tell you after that, most people have are very aware of what's needed to have a good coaching conversation. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, the level of um, expertise with which you deliver them may vary, but they do know what should be part of it. And, you know, as you practice, you become better at it. Same with us. You know, when I started coaching 13 years ago, I think I had maybe 30 pieces of paper on my table with all kinds of questions. You know, now I know that the questions will come if I really listen to what somebody is saying. So I think that that definitely there's a possibility. It's it's if you have the right coaching program, the coaching skill program, it can be learned. Well, and that and that's what's interesting. It is a program. So it's not like one day the executive wakes up and says, we're going to develop a coaching culture. All of you now, instead of answering every question, all I want you to do is ask questions. It's way more in depth. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. But it does pay off. Yeah. You know, to your point about the uh, the numbers, uh, the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, came out with a, um, a paper on uh, coaching culture. And they say that a robust coaching culture has been linked to greater employee engagement. 65% is higher engaged compared to 52 in other organizations. And not only that... report being above industry peer group in financial gains compared to 41%. So yes, it's an upfront investment, no doubt about it, but yes, it does pay off. Yeah, well, I can definitely see how it can pay off because if the organization is communicating better, right? Precisely, precisely. (laughs) That's what this is all about. This is Sherry Hill. You're listening to The Sherry Hill Show with guest Artie Kopis, CEO of Kopis Consulting, and Kit Prendergast, founder of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada. And we've been talking really this whole conversation about a coaching culture and why professional coaches need to really help implement, first help you identify that you could use this in your organization, and then the steps to actually implement. And I know you guys are on that whole backside to make sure that it works. Yep, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, And you know, there are signs when you look at a culture in an organization, there are signs that you know, it's coaching culture culture geared or that it is successful when leaders are positive role models and, you know, m- they move from being the boss of the person to uh, walking the floors, to being genuinely interested in people, to value and appreciate the imp- inputs of the people that they work with. Uh, w- I would say when every member of the organization knows what their 
link is to the mission of the organization and is really aware of the role they play in order to achieve that mission. Very important. I think another successful sign of success is that you know that everybody is in- genuinely interested in feedback from customers. Uh, stakeholders, no matter in what business you are. You know, obviously, often there's a system in place. You know, there's paper that you can fill out for feedback. But this is much more than that. Because every person who works in your business is really personally linked to what's important for your business. So every person wants to know how they're impacting the customers they interact with. And they're aware of it and they're open for it. And they can take the feedback non uh, emotionally. Well, and, and I think, you know, obviously the whole trend in business is transparency and engagement, and I want to matter within the organization. And so, again, when we, you know, Kit, you originally talked about the millennials and stuff, this is engagement. This, a coaching culture is really the direction this generation is driving business today. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, you can be engaged because you feel respected. And so thus, you want to come with ideas, you want to come with your energy. And uh, I think that is across all generations, but certainly plays out for the millennium. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I'm listening to Artie, and I just, I just love hearing about her experience and what she brings to the table. When we think of a coaching culture, there's actually three ways or three levels to bring that into a company. There is the actual coaching the executive about their own development. There's also um, helping the managers learn coaching skills, which is different than becoming credentialed as a coach and hanging up your own shingle. That's a course I teach up at uh, UNR Extended Studies and have done for ages, but helping managers learn when to use coaching skills, when it's appropriate and when not. Another way to do it, which um, I've had the chance to do and the opportunity, is to work with a company and help them develop an internal coaching program for themselves. This was a company out in Sparks. It was a fast-growth company, very interested, very much on top of their game. And I, over a two-year period of time, worked with um, this. They selected top um, managers who wanted to learn how to be a coach, more than just using the coaching skills every once in a while, but to really coach. So they took twice, they took a team of people, uh, put them through a, um, I think it was over four or five months of this is what coaching is, this is how you do it. They were partnered up with a rising star in the company a person that could wanted to be coached. And then I provided the mentor coaching to that coach as they moved that individual along. So we actually repeated that cycle several times. And that's a wonderful because there's this tremendous ripple effect through the company of the coaching culture. Well, we're going to pick up because I like ripple effects. We'll be right back. This is Artie Coppice, founder and president of Coppice Consulting. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is important to me because she supports and educates business owners. Sherry Hill is a dynamic personality. Thank you, Sherry. Sage International Incorporated sparks and fuels the entrepreneurial spirit by providing the strategies, information, education, tools, resources, and ongoing support services that will lay a solid foundation under a business owner's dream. If you're thinking of starting a business and you're not sure where to begin, 
Sage International Incorporated offers a free 30-minute consultation. Call 1-800-254-5779. That's 1-800-254-5779. Or visit sageintl.com. This is Kit Prendergast, owner of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada. You are listening to The Sherry Hill Show. Sherry Hill is inspirational and supports us all as we grow and develop our business wealth. Thank you, Sherry. In a Center for Creative Leadership report titled Creating Coaching Cultures, What Business Leaders Expect and Strategies to Get There, I found it interesting that while the practice of coaching in organizations is evolving, the management of coaching as a strategic initiative is lagging. Most of the respondents did not know how to provide scalable and affordable coaching skills training throughout their organizations, which of course is going to require a new approach to change. I am pleased to have Artie Kopis, CEO of Kopis Consulting LLC, and Kit Prendergast, founder of Career Connections of Sierra Nevada, who are willing to enlighten us about this topic today. I've been involved in uh, healthcare organizations. I've just moved back to the United States after a couple of years in Canada. In one area, we've moved well over 4,000 people uh, through the coaching program of two days, uh, followed by six uh, webinars. And in another uh, organization, this is statewide. And the amazing thing, we were talking about ripple effect, right? So the amazing thing in these organizations is it starts to really permeate everything. So leadership development is part of it. This in healthcare organization, the conversations with patients became different. People were challenged to think differently. They came up with great initiatives that, you know, they hadn't expected before. They felt assured the incidence of mistakes went down because it was addressed more respectfully and differently and people were less defensive. So I think that the incredible thing that we found, and that's why Kid and I are so committed to uh, bringing these coaching cultures and really, um, you know, spreading out the joy of uh, being coach-like because it just... It shows up everywhere in different ways than we even imagine. Uh, Another area maybe to bring up there is that peer coaching. So even in the organizations that I've gone into, as people get these coaching skills and they understand coaching conversations, they create little circles and they support each other in working through issues. And so, you know, in the beginning, introducing this segment, you were talking about, so what's affordable? I think that is very affordable. Once, once they have the skills, you know, they will just take it and run, believe me. And our commitment to coaching is that we are not a crutch. So we go in, we support people, we model coaching, we, we teach them the coaching uh, cultures. But then we were very happy to retreat and just let it, you know, let the flowers come to bloom. Yeah. So, Kit, based on what Artie is saying, I uh, all of a sudden in my mind, you're saying, you know, all the conversations change, like with the patient. It almost sounds like once this culture is adopted within the organization, you're going to actually have less problems. It's actually less work for your managers, your your leaders. And that is probably where that motivation comes from. When I teach up at UNR Extended Studies, coaching skills for managers, managers are exhausted. 
Um, there's so much on their plate. And, and it's not for every situation, but when there's an opportunity at a time that they can really honor the strengths of the employees, what are their ideas? What are they already thinking about? What are their suggestions? And being able to step aside, they actually find that their job is a lot, lot easier. And that's kind of that tipping point right there. So the coaching culture is one of, I would have to say, it's high energy, very future-focused, very results-focused. But there's this wonderful spirit that we are working together toward a certain outcome, a certain mission that has real meaning and purpose. And maybe it's, it's perhaps really helpful when we look at some of the nonprofit or community initiatives. Um, I'm thinking of, for instance, the food bank, when people are so passionate about that um, cause, no child hungry. So they, everyone brings their strengths to the table. And when our leaders can allow their employees or their volunteers to use those strengths to contribute their ideas, it moves much faster, much quicker, and a wonderful ripple effect. So yes, as professional coaches, one, um, Artie and I really carefully assess the needs of a company. Mm-hmm. And it, it can be, and that's the deep listening that Artie was talking about. What are the needs? What are the outcomes that you want? And then design a coaching um, orientation or coaching program, a coaching plan to give them not only the skills, but the practical experience. Natural coaches, there are actually quite a lot of people are natural coaches. But Interesting, people often will also say, you know, this isn't really my style. This isn't really me. And that's fine because we want to, of course, go to the folks that they they sort of naturally get it. Quite often, I found in my classes, it's an older gentleman Mm -hmm. that just seems to, oh, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. I would think, though, from a a competitive advantage, because, you know, one of the big issues with all of the Tesla effect is the existing companies that have been here a long time are going to lose their highly skilled workforce to these, you know, bright, shiny objects called new companies. What a great competitive advantage. If I right now started to think and started to adopt and really understand this coaching culture, I might provide a much more fun work environment that nobody would want to leave. That's absolutely true. Yes. And I think that if you if you think that way and it's it's you know, it's also it's always focused on the bottom line, obviously. But there's also something around creating a, a work environment where people are excited to go to work. I mean, how wonderful is that? And it's possible. Yes. And so as more I'm understanding this coaching culture and to bring that inside organizations, and the two of you are on your soapbox is going, more organizations need to be looking at this because the big companies are. Right. Absolutely. And so now it really needs to come down to the mom and pops and everywhere else so that you can be competitive. You can keep those great employees. And that's all anybody wants. Like you said, Artie, is to have a good time and be engaged and feel like you matter. And one of the things here locally, the best places to work uh, 
award ceremony that Artie and I got a chance to, to attend there. And that was at the Pepper Mill, if mm-hmm. I remember right. And each year that I go, these are the companies locally that absolutely, that in, they may not be called coaching culture, but they are certainly using this kind of um, approach, philosophy, perspective. Uh, and the best places to work, those are the ones that people want to go to work, excited to be at work, committed to the mission of all different kinds of companies. And Sherry, you probably have been to that. Yeah, that. And, it's and a it's, big event. And it's the intangible. See, it's not that you provide me with a basket of donuts every morning. It's that you ask me lots of questions. You let me be a problem solver. You let me innovate, right? And when I say the words let me, I don't even like that language. I hear what you're saying. Absolutely. It's about being valued and respected. I think that's at the bottom. Everybody wants to be valued and respected. So it's about creating a culture in which that can happen. And everybody, as you were talking about peer coaching, is not one guy or one gal that's now the coach. It's everybody in the organization. Ladies, this has been fantastic, and I've learned a ton. So very quickly, if somebody wanted to reach out to engage you in more conversation to find out if this is a good fit for their organization, where would you like them to go? We would like them to call KIT or RT at 775-324-5151 and email my email is kit at career connections, and that's plural, sn.com. And rty at corpus, C O P P E S, consulting.com. Right. So, as professional coaches, the first thing you're going to do is sit down and, and really recognize if the person, the executive that's bringing you in, has the ability to really implement a coaching culture. Correct. Because this, as we said, is an initiative. Yes. It's a big change in the organization. It is going to cost. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. There, there but will the be. results, the ROI. The ROI is it, tremendous. It's it's hard, to, you know, in our in our business, we always try to get the ROI. And it it's difficult because a lot of other things play into the development of people, personal development, joy at the workplace, etc., effectiveness. However, often when we have conversations before we uh, start the coaching conversation and then we ask people afterwards what happened, the the anecdotal evidence is tremendous. And um, we've just done that with the healthcare organizations that I alluded to before. And when you read some of those comments, I mean, it is just fabulous to be part of doing such amazing work. Well, it can't hurt an organization, right? Nope. I mean, is it? I would say it's a win-win. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah. And it's really recognizing what people bring to the table and their potential, though, and, and for the companies to do that. One of the things Artie and I also offer is that understanding that it is a big initiative. So we also go in with a shorter uh, training session that sometimes is packaged also with some short-term coaching to really give people a taste of what coaching is about, what the power of coaching is, how it works, with the idea that if that seems to work for them, then rolling out a more extensive uh, initiative there. Awesome. Well, I think we've given some good info today. Thank you both for being here, Artie Copas and Kit Prendergast. Thank you so much, Sherry. (laughs) We've enjoyed it. Thank you. The Sherry Hill Show values the role we play in supporting the economic engine driving this country. Small business, the backbone of America. 
Send her a message on Facebook.com slash Sherry Hill Show. And tune in next week, same time, same station, for The Sherry Hill Show.